This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobine. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. Uh, Snowing up in Nobleton this morning, Naz? Sure is. I guess it's snowing. If the if you haven't looked outside yet, we got a nice white blanket all over the place. I don't. How would know you like what. to be in Hamilton for the Alouettes and Ticats today? Yeah, they. Uh, you know what? You know, I, 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 at the risk of getting criticized for this, I, I think in in the world of instantaneous news and online stuff, and uh, everything's a weather alert. Everything's a weather warning. I don't think this. What I'm looking outside today, I don't think would have been considered a big deal in the, uh, for lack of a better term, the old days. Naz, this is uh, this is good old time Canadian football today. A little bit of snow, and uh, you know that's what that's what Canadian football is all about at this time of year, isn't it, Naz? Absolutely, absolutely. It's going to be great. Go on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just. I uh, checked the weather forecast. I, uh, I don't see any warm, weather, <laughs> warm weather the rest of the week. So I'm not so sure this is going to melt all that quick. So I guess after the show, I got to head out with a shovel and I got to, I got to shovel this stuff away. Uh, talking about CFL football, Ness, uh We uh, today is uh, November 28th. Um, something important happened 50 years ago today, Ness. Uh, I'm sure you recall. Wasn't wasn't Argos uh, in Calgary, Grey Cup. Yeah, your 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 recollections of that particular day. Oh, it was a very poor uh conditions for sure, Wally. It was a uh, low scoring game. They won fourteen eleven Calgary. And who can forget Leon McQuay dropping the ball at the three yard line? Uh, Leon X-Ray McQuay. Um yeah, and uh we're gonna go down memory lane today, the back end of the show. We're going to bring on two uh, two important members of that 1971 Argos team, legends and uh, uh, in, in CFL legends in many ways. Peter Martin, who was a linebacker at the time, number 77, uh, University of Western Ontario grad, um, and uh, broadcaster, broadcast uh, Toronto Argo games for quite a bit of time, and. Uh, in the I guess nineties, nineties, and into the two thousands, uh, did did some color work on the Toronto Argo games, and and also a good friend of the show, Joe the Throw Theisman, who interestingly enough was number seventy seven on that team. So we got we got seven 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 on the on the show. Today. Is that lucky at the casino, Naz? Three sevens? Yes, it is. Okay, so we're lucky today. Seven and uh, seventy seven. Yeah, so uh, Peter Martin and Joe Thies, we're going to talk about what is considered one of the most fascinating teams in Toronto sports history. If Certainly if you were around in those days, they were they were a cast of characters led by Leo the Lip Cahill, uh, an incredible group of guys. And uh, why don't we leave it at that? We've got Peter Martin and Joe Theismann. Today is 50 years ago today. 
hard to believe, Naz, where did the 50 years go? But it was November 28th, 1971, one of the most heartbreaking moments in Toronto sports history. Leon McQuay, God rest his soul, unfortunately passed away way much too young at the age of 45. And interestingly enough, one of the other goats from that game, Harry Aboffs, um, um, Kicked also the football pat- out of the uh, out of t- out of bounds, eh? Yeah, and when uh, Argo still had a had a chance to, yeah. to uh, run it back up the field, there was still time, and and God rest his soul as well. Uh, also passed away much too young. But we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the uh, good parts of that team, the positive parts of that team. So many great great players. Tricky Dick Thornton, and, and that's, I always say Naz nicknames. It's all about the nicknames. Look at the nicknames some of these guys had. Tricky Dick Thornton, Joe the Throat Theisman, uh, Dave the Knife Ramey, the Wagon, Mel Prophet. He was he was the California hippie. X Ray McQuay. Uh, so many, so many, so many colorful characters. We'll, we'll get a chance to talk about that uh, after the first break. You know, Leafs are on a roll. And we're going to get the ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson, who's uh, doing a great podcast still with uh, with Rick Vibe. We'll catch up with him. And uh, Leafs have been on a, on a roll lately, and why not talk about the Leafs? So, Naz, in a few minutes, we have to go to break. Um, college football playoffs. We're getting down wow, to the Wow, what a throat. game last night. Holy uh, Alabama. You're talking about the Alabama game. You know, it, it, it does it – does, one thing I noticed, and they call it the Iron Bowl. One thing I've noticed over the years in the Iron Bowl, Alabama always goes into the Iron Bowl most of the time. There have been the odd time where Auburn, you know, national championship back, I think Cam Newton was there, was he? Or maybe mistaking him with somebody else. No, about Cam Newton years. was there, yeah. Yeah, and about 10 years ago, he, he won a national championship that year, and there's the odd time. But Alabama's usually the overwhelming favorite. But, you know, this Auburn team always finds a way against Alabama. Didn't win yesterday. I'll be honest with you, Naz. I know you're a big uh, Roll Tide guy. I I think I just thought Auburn threw the game away in the last couple of minutes. But all, all credit to Alabama and to Saban and to Bryce Young. And, you know, they did what they had to do to win the game in four overtimes. But that's a game that uh, I wouldn't say that Alabama got lucky, but very easily should have gone the other way. Absolutely should have gone the other way. Auburn deserved to win that game. For yeah, sure. No, and that, uh, that raises the big one this coming weekend. Uh, Georgia and it, Alabama. Is that, at, uh, is that in Atlanta, Naz, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Is I that believe what it's so. Like? I believe so. And then, uh, you know, Alabama this year, I guess for the first time in a long time, isn't going into that game as the favorite because Georgia's been stomping teams. They are clearly, up until this point in time, the best team in the country. They're number one. They're undefeated. They've been pummeling teams. But one thing I've learned, you got Nick Saban behind the bench over there. Uh, never count Alabama. They'll be they'll be uh, significant underdogs, but never count uh, never count Alabama out, Ness. No, never count them out for sure. Georgia's yeah, defense is incredible, though, Wally. Yeah, but you know it's college football. Anything can happen. Um, and I'm you know I'm, I'm a big Irish guy. Uh, Irish had uh, they won yesterday, eleven one. They need some things to happen to make the college football playoff. Uh, it's not within their destiny, but, uh, you know, if Alabama loses against Georgia, um, that may be a tough one squeezing, keeping Alabama into the college football playoff. 
Cincinnati will probably, I would guess, go through. And right now, Oklahoma State is rated one one place behind uh, Notre Dame. But if they if they beat Baylor in the Big Twelve Championship next next Saturday, they will likely overtake uh, overtake Notre Dame and, and slot into that fourth spot. Big win by Michigan yesterday over Ohio State. Dominated Michigan. Dominated. Both ends of the line, both sides of the line, against a very good Ohio State team. Um, over 300 yards in rushing. Bit of a surprise, but it's been a long time coming, Ness. So a few, a couple of new teams maybe go in this this time around. I don't think Alabama is going to beat Georgia. Georgia's too strong. Yeah, that, that that would be a tough one. But like I said, Ness, uh, never never count the tide out. Uh, never count them out. Uh, anything can happen. In, in one game, and uh, you know, may come down to uh, last series or a last drive. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Michigan, they've got to win the Big Tw- Big Ten championship. If they do next uh, next week, they're light. They're they're in for sure. If they lose, there's an outside chance. Um, Cincinnati, if they win their last game, they will be undefeated. They're not one of the. They don't play in one of the top conferences in the nation. But how do you keep an undefeated team out? Especially they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So that'd be tough, and then it's, I, I see it as a scramble for the number four spot, uh, probably between Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and uh, you know I don't know who else you'd throw into that mix. Alabama, if they do a close game against Georgia, but uh, um, we'll see what happens. Always, always interested in college football. Really quickly, Naz, a minute before we go to break, the Bills. Big win against the Saints, but the Bills have had a topsy turvy season. They just they. You know they can't seem to establish. And when they win, they're impressive. And when they lose, you know uh, the game against Jacksonville, I think may come back to haunt them because the Patriots are. We got two games against the Patriots coming up, Naz, and those are probably going to settle who's going to finish first place in this division. I thought we got rid of those guys when Brady left the conference. <laughs> well, I you know it's, it. uh, it's the Alabama guy, and uh, that's turned it around, Naz, Mac Jones, and. Uh, you know, Belichick, you know, he's got that system, and he knows how to put players in positions to succeed, and he certainly put Mac Jones in a position to succeed. Uh, Bills are going to have a handful with the Patriots, Ness. New England's a tough team. Buffalo still should come out on top, but New England's going to be very tough. Very, yeah, they, very tough. Uh, the Bills, and, you know, the, the drive for number one seed, I, I like I, I've said, and we'll go to break real short, um, the drive for the number one seed is always important. You know, how many times does the Super Bowl, if you want to play in the Super Bowl, you want to have the AFC or NFC championship, and, and you want that home field advantage. Um, Bills, uh, right now, they, they sort of have to, you know, they're, they're going to be battling that with the Patriots. They're going to be battling with the Tennessee Titans. There's a whole bunch of teams in there, like with three, four losses. Um, it's going to be a scramble. There's no margin for error for the Bills. They they gave away a couple of games they could have easily won. Um, so if if the Bills are going to if they're they're going to drive to that number one seed in the AFC, they they, they literally have to run the table, Ness. Yeah, they do. Tennessee's Tennessee's injured now, but uh, Kansas City's come back. They come yeah. back. I thought they were done. But the Chiefs yeah. are there too, seven and four. Yeah, they certainly of, are. A lot of teams can challenge. Anyways, on that note, let's go to break. When we come back from the break, we'll talk some little hockey talk, some Leafs talk, and uh, who better than the ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be 
the fastest. We'll never be the cheapest. We'll never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He's only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're on AM 740, 96.7 FM uh, Toronto. Also live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour a good friend of the show. The ultimate Leafs fan. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Wilson. Good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, bring our listeners up to date. You're still doing the podcast with uh, with Rick Vibe. Uh, just uh, remind us uh, how our listeners can get a hold of you on on uh, on the internet. Well, we're we're on all the uh, uh, usual uh, podcast networks. We have our own YouTube channel, uh, Squid and Ultimate Leafs Fan. That's his nickname, obviously. Uh, you can find us on Podbean or any anywhere else where you can. You just, or just look us up on my website, ultimateleafsfan.com, and you can find us. We've had some uh, fantastic guests this week's guest is Ethan Morrill. And if you've never listened to him, he is actually yeah. one clerk. I'll tell you, and it's definitely worth a listen. Certainly is, Mike. Uh, before we even get to Leafs talk, um, it's uh, your recollections. Uh, today's fifty years, November twenty eighth, nineteen seventy one. Oh, I live the pain very well, Wally. I can still feel it. I remember sitting watching that, and I remember when Dick Thornton made that interception. I go, "Here we go!" And then all of a sudden, it was a uh, horror. About five minutes later, so <laughs> we all feel it. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting. We're going to get a chance to talk to Pete Martin and Joe Theismann uh, right after you. So uh, we're certainly going to relive it a bit this morning. Uh, yeah. Mike, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, 
last time we were on, you were on our show. Uh, things were looking pretty bleak, uh, if I recall correctly. And uh, you're you're usually a voice of uh, reason in in a lot of these things. I don't let's not get overexcited based on six or seven games into a season. And I think after that interview that we did with you, uh, I think it was right after the Pittsburgh game where they got pounded seven to one. Leafs yeah. have been on a roll. Um, probably the best team in the NHL over the course of the last month, month and a half. Uh, Leafs, Leafs Nation's excited again. Mike, what's going on? What happened? Well, there's a whole bunch of things. One, I think the players calmed down. Uh, I think the fact is, if you look at earlier in the week, one of the concerns was that they were not getting any secondary scoring. And I think the big turnaround has been obviously getting very good goaltending. The defense at times bends, but it doesn't break. So I've been quite Surprised and actually uh, quite impressed with the play of Lilligrand and Sandine, who've stepped up, uh, and they're rotating the seven defensemen. Dermott's going to get back in the lineup again tonight. And what I'm finding more is that the players, the forwards, are coming back and being more responsible on their own end. And if you just look at the goal differential earlier in the week, it was just plus six, which could be of some concern, but it shouldn't be. And you see over the last two games now, all of a sudden, it's wide note with the, the outburst of scoring. So the good news is, is that you know, there's still lots more for this team to give on the offensive side. The other thing I think that they turned around is they weren't chasing the game as much as they were in those early parts of the season when things weren't going well. Because as we've talked about before, this is team is under scrutiny. They've never ever felt in five years a lot of these kids have been here. Whereas they're going to be judged what happens April the 1st or on, not what happens during the regular season. And I think that really weighed on them after the off season they had and what they were listening to. So once they got their feet in the ground, and you've got to give credit to management that stuck with these guys, they kept with the game plan, they let lift, put guys in positions to succeed. And you know, there, there is a couple of holes in the lineup that they could improve on. Uh, they've got some great depth with the Marlies, and you're seeing some kids down there that are pushing these guys. Alex Steve has been off to a great start. Josh Hosang, although he was hurt the other night, he's got, these kids are going to get a shot at some point to play. So with that type of depth, it's keeping everybody on their toes. And, you know, it's still a long way to go, but you have to be encouraged by what you're seeing. Ness? Mike, give me a scouting report on Joseph Wall as a Marley. He looks really good in net Toronto. Well, the thing about it is, you know, Squid and I talked about this on our show a number of times. You've got to see what you've had. This kid, they've had him for a few years now. He's been in and out of the lineup with the Marlies. Uh, Ian Scott, the same thing. Uh, Michael Hutchinson, you know what you have there. But you got to see what you have because at some point, unfortunately for the Leafs, because they're top-heavy with the salary cap, you have to go to the low-end paying players. They have to produce for you, and that's how teams win. You saw it with Tampa last year with that third line of theirs. Now, those guys all got rewarded this year, but no exception as far as goaltending also. And we're seeing that with Joseph Wall. So it's nice to see that he's after a great start, three wins in a row. Uh, he looks solid. The team's playing well in front of him. They have confidence. You can see the way they handle the puck in front of them. So all those type of things are very positive signs. But I love the fact they've got to let this kid play and see what they have. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Leafs. Leafs have become a good road. Let's 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 forget about that game in Pittsburgh. Uh, Leafs, you know, they've been playing well on the road. Uh, they yes. play a tighter game. Um, their, you know, their core. You know, uh, Zary Neal says all the time, your best players have to be your best players. But uh, I'll add to that algorithm, which is, you know, your bottom your bottom six have to have to chip in at key times and have to be opportunistic. The Leafs core, to me, so far this year has been good, but not great. And I think that's a good thing, because 
you know, no, because there I've noticed with Tavares and with Matthews, it's it's not just about offense with these guys anymore. They, you know, Matthews and Tavares are playing good two-way games, solid in their own zone, coming back, um, and they and I find the Leafs are developing into a good road team. Is that your sense, Mike? Well, listen, you know what happens when it comes to playoff time. Good defense beats good offense all the time, and it comes down to really tight games. And the Leafs, as I said it earlier, uh, what I like the fact is they're winning these tight games, and that's what you have to have. And the leadership coming from Tavares and Matthews, look, the goals are going to come. These guys are too good of players not to score. And same with Mitch Marner, just saw finally he broke out. Uh, it's it's they're being more responsible on their own end, and with and even in the neutral zone, you can see the Leafs are not clogging it up, uh, you know, playing like a trap. But what they're doing is being more aware of that other player coming into their own end, and that is starting right with the captain. Thirty four is doing it, and you're seeing it, and then it's filtering right down throughout the whole lineup. So I'm not concerned about the scoring because it'll come because they're too good. But I'd rather listen. You watch the way they're winning these games now, that's how you want to be winning come late March and then moving into early April if you're playing in the playoffs. Nas, another big test Wednesday night. Nas and Kadri and the Colorado Avalanche come in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> what a game that's going to be, Mike. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, probably, <laughs> he's been on a roy. You know, he had 25 points last I checked, and he's up there in the scoring. And he's also, uh, don't forget, playing for a ticket at the end of the year, like Morgan Riley, who was before he just got extended a couple weeks ago. So, uh, he's motivated to play well, and he's going to be even more motivated coming to Toronto. So it should be a pretty good game, I'm sure. But let's get this one out of the way tonight because this club here has been playing very well also. And this is going to be the biggest test of the road trip so far. Uh, we're talking to Mike Wilson, the ultimate Leafs fan. Mike, uh, the concern with the, the Leafs team um, is always the goaltending and more so probably the defense. So far, mm-hmm. the goaltending has been exceptional. Jack Campbell has probably the best stats in the league. Uh, his winning percentage, his save percentage, they're, they're, let's just, for lack of a better term, call them world-class. There's, he's playing as good in net right now as anybody is playing in the league. That's a plus, uh, a huge plus. Uh, but you need a backup goalie. You need somebody who can come in and, and get you 25, 25 games, but you can't afford in today's NHL to give those games away. Um, Marezik was supposed to be the guy. Uh, all guys come in. Uh, first of all, I'd like you to address your 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 thoughts on the goaltending, and the concern has always been the defense. Um, your your impressions of the defense so far this year? Well, I, I, I as I said, they, they they at times bend, but they don't break, and that's a good thing. The concern you have on defense is the depth. Now they are rotating seven players in and out of the lineup, which is a good thing, but any injury, and you reduce that to six, there could be some concern. And you have to be concerned about some of the older guys like uh, Muzzin, who has a tendency to get banged up the way he plays. So, fingers are crossed right now, but as things sit today, uh, you have to be impressed with the defense plays. And you know they are. They could be a move away from strengthening it at some point, and that is the talk I've been hearing is that there there is something that could be brewing down the road to help them up in the back end. As far as the goaltending goes, yeah, Jack Campbell's probably put himself in line to be the Olympic goalie for uh, the U.S. or one of the goalies in 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 mind for that role. But you're one shot away from him coming to line up like Gary with any player in each ship they're leaving. So you have to have the depth, and that's what I said before with Wool. You got to let this kid play and see what you have. And so far, so good with the three wins. Marazic, they thought he'd be the guy. He did have a history of, with some injuries. 
and the reliability of him, you have to question it. So you've got to look further down the lineup and hope that uh, Wall can continue on this role. But the key thing is that the players understand what's at stake. They get it. They know the pressure they're under. They know what the expectations are. And they can see the way they're playing, especially behind their own blue line. Uh, the play there what has really impressed me. So the defense is only as good as the forwards coming back to help. And so far, the forwards are doing that, and it's made the defensive job a little bit better. Watch their outlet pass from a lot of the, the Leaf uh, defensemen. It used to be Riley that could do that. Now all the defensemen are making that play, and that's what you have to have. And that exit zone pass has been very impressive this year, and they're moving the puck really well. And they're not doing that stretch pass where they have a guy standing blue line anymore on the other end of the ice. They're actually moving the puck quickly in their own, and the exit play, as you see, has been exceptional so far for Toronto from their aspect and from their luck. So I, I'm very impressed with that. So the defense is playing well because they're getting big help from the, from the forwards. Uh, Naz, last quick question for Mike, and uh, then we'll let Mike go. Your assessment of Mr. Zero, Nick Ritchie. Well, the problem is, listen, they, they signed this kid for a reason. Uh, 15 goals, 36 points with Boston last year. He played with Crutchy. They brought him in here. He's a big body, six foot two, six foot three. He's two hundred twenty-five pounds. They thought he could play in the big line with uh, Matthews and Marners. He struggled. Uh, I think maybe the expectations weighing on him. He was the biggest signing in the offseason as far as the forwards go, at two point five million over two years. For two years, he's been a disappointment. You'd have to say. You see the players are pulling for him. The kids trying. You wonder at the twenty-game mark, which was you know a couple games ago. That's when you start doing your assessments. I would have to say at some point, you're going to have to maybe make a tough decision on him because they can't afford to have he's He seems to be behind the play. He looks a little bit lost out there. And then he has a tendency, you know, over trying, and that results in maybe a not-so-smart penalty. And he did that a couple games ago, and you saw the other night he took another one. So, you know, you feel for him. You want him to do well. But unfortunately, this is not a learning-on-the-job position right now. They need results. And, again, as I said, with kids like Coach Sang uh, and also Steve's pushing below, uh, you can't afford to go with him much longer, I would say. We've been talking to Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Mike, keep uh, you and uh, Rick Vibe keep up your fantastic work on your podcast. I highly encourage our listeners, uh, if you're Leaf uh, and NHL uh, passionate, uh, Mike and Rick bring uh, insights that I'm sure you will enjoy. Mike, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mike Wilson, uh, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Uh, November 28th, 1971. 50 years ago today. It is really hard to believe that 50 years come by and as, as we've talked uh, with with friends and with Mike Wilson, whatever, for a lot of people, it still hurts. It was the greatest team that never won the Great Cup. We're going to go to break. Coming back from that break, we'll talk to two of the most important players. They were all important players, but we get a significant opportunity. We chat with Peter Martin and Joe Theismann. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realised that our extra-large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra-large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra large when Pizzaville gives you 18 whopping inches steaming hot? Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. 
is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. Last minute of play in the game. Unlike sports, the outcome of palliative care isn't determined in the dying seconds. Physically, socially, and spiritually, palliative care is giving someone the best quality of life for however long life remains, while supporting their loved ones. All services are free of charge with partial government funding. The need for palliative care is great. Making an impact is the newly opened Hospice Vaughn Mario and Nick Cortellucci Hospice Palliative Care Center of Excellence. A truly amazing 10-bed residence. The first palliative care hub in Vaughn. If you share the belief that everyone deserves to live until they die, get involved. Volunteer your time or donate to hospicevaughn.com. We are for community, by community. And together, we are here to serve. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Today is November 28th, November 28th, 1971, a day that will live in Toronto sports infamy. Um, we are pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour two tremendous players, uh, legends from that 1971 Argos team that will forever live in our hearts, Peter Martin and Joe Theismann. Peter and Joe, I'll turn to Peter first. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, and I really love being on your show because you're the only guy that calls me a legend. <laughs> you're the only guy who does that. Uh, well, uh, in my mind, you are, Peter, in a lot of Well, different. thank you. You're, 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 broad, you're not only you're a football legend, you're a broadcasting legend as well. You did you were, did so much work for the Toronto Argos as a broadcaster as well, and uh, University of Western Ontario, and uh, so many other accomplishments. So in my you're a legend. Also, well, thank you, thank you. Also joining us today, uh, football legend Joe the Throw Steisman. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Peter. Uh, Hi, Joe. Peter, how are you? How are you? Good to talk to you again. I haven't seen you for a couple of years when you're up for the reunion. I know. 
It's, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's so yeah. great. But we, you know, we still follow the. I still follow the CFL very closely, in particular the Argonauts. And yeah, it's great to see that uh, they have an opportunity to go back and do something we had a chance to do. Uh, I can't believe it's 50 years ago. I mean, it's, yeah. it's well, they have a chance. There's a chance it could be another Calgary. Toronto matchup, but but um, I think Calgary got a tougher road to get into the Grey Cup than the Argos do. But <clears throat> could happen. You know, you, you get you get to this time of year, and you just you know you just don't know what weather's going to be like, uh, where, where they're going to wind up playing. You know, yeah. there's, gosh, there's so many factors. Does, does somebody get nicked up in this game that changes the face of it? You know, fortunately for us, we've got the bye. Yeah. So we have a chance to be able to sort of wait and see what happens uh, with the other two. You remember talking about weather? Uh, that was a factor in '71. <clears throat> Looking out of my backyard, it's kind of a—it's a cloudy, dreary day here in Toronto. The only—it's not raining; it's snowing. <laughs> it's snowing. So, it, uh, you're right. Weather—it uh, could be a factor in a couple of weeks here, and it certainly wasn't well, '71. Fortunately, fortunately, for, fortunately for me, both championships I lost—they tore down both stadiums. Yeah. They tore down Empire <laughs> Stadium in Vancouver, and they tore down. The big sombrero down in campus. So I don't. At least I yeah. don't have to yeah. drive in those cities and see the visual reminders of what's happened in my life. You know, the one thing that uh, you have to remember that was the first Grey Cup game played on artificial turf, right? And you remember, like that old Astro turf. That's what it was called, Astro turf. Oh, yeah. Based on what they oh, put yeah. in the Astrodome at Houston, and that stuff was so hard. And I tell you, when it got wet, it was slick and. Uh, it was not a good surface to play on. No, I think you know. Really, I, I, we were we were built for speed. They were built for mauling. Uh, Calgary was, and I think that I I do think you know. I mean, obviously, it was a heck of a football game. You yeah. See the score and all everything that happened in it. And Peter Peter just played sensational, by the way, in that game. I think it's one of the best games he ever played. I but, took uh, I, you know, I took I some time last night, Joe. I rewatched the game on, on uh, TSN up here. They've got uh, on demand. You can go back and look at the Grey Cups and stuff. So I took, I went back and I I looked at the game, and it didn't take very long because there was no commercials. It was perfect, but you know, it brought back a lot of memories. But you know, the one thing that I never realized until last night was. Boy, you were really under a lot of heat that night. I tell you what, they really put the blitz on you, and uh, you were under under a lot of pressure all night long. Uh, Peter, let me, uh, if I can jump in here, guys. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. are obviously broadcast. Oh, I'm sorry. We just, Walter, we just took over your show. I know, and I mean, Naz and I love it. Believe me, we get our job easy. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Every time we get broadcasters on the show, uh, it, it makes <laughs> my life easy. And, and I'm, sure, I'm sure our listeners absolutely adore listening to the banter between you two guys. It's, it's, re, it's, it's quite, I'm just, I'm like a kid in a candy store this morning, you know, listening to to you two guys and, and going down memory lane. Peter, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm basically then I'm going to turn it over to Joe and basically the more or less the same question. This comes from, interestingly enough, on uh, September 28th is also an important day in Canadian sports history. It's a, we had Phil Esposito and Paul Henderson on our show at the same time uh, a few years back on, on an anniversary, and I, and I asked them both the same question. I got two startling different answers from Esposito and Henderson. And I'm going to ask you guys the same question. Um, when you woke up this morning, when you're having your coffee or whatever, did the, did the thought of that game 50 years ago uh, pop into your mind this morning? Uh, did you think about it this morning? How did you think about it? 
and does it still hurt? Peter, I'll first to you and then to you, Joe. Uh, it wasn't the first thing I thought about this morning, but, you know, we, we've talked uh, earlier before this broadcast, and I, I looked at the game last night, and certainly, uh, you know, looking forward to the talk this morning. You know, I, I, I agree. I, I'm having a hard time believing that it was 50 years ago. You know, <laughs> nobody likes to age, and I can't believe it's 50 years ago. It still does hurt. It still does hurt. And for one simple reason, you know, you you don't get too many chances to be a champion. And when you get a chance, you got to grab it. And the disappointment was we had the chance and we didn't grab it. And I never got another chance. I never got another chance to play in another great cup. And that's the biggest regret I have. Joe? Yeah. Well, for me, it was. It, I wouldn't say it was the first thing, but the month of November hasn't been kind to me uh, because 10 days ago was the 36th anniversary of my leg being broken. Uh, yep. The second time. The first time was up in, uh, up in uh, Toronto in our opener against Montreal in, 70, in 1972. And, uh, but, Walter, you and I talked earlier this week, and, and since our conversation, I just, all, all that keeps running through my mind are the guys. You know what we shared. I, I don't. I don't. I don't really think people can grasp the community of players and the the feelings that we have towards one another and the moments that we shared. The locker room to me is a very sacred place. I, I played for Joe Gibbs for six years. I saw Joe Gibbs in my locker room six times in six years. The locker room belonged to the players. We controlled the tempo. We controlled the the atmosphere. We controlled the the whole thing. If somebody got out of line, we took care of it. You know, we'd celebrate together. We'd cry together. We'd do crazy stuff together. I mean, we weren't called the Mavericks for, for, you know, we earned that moniker, okay? That's that's who we were, and and we were very proud of it. I was reading some stuff about Gene Mack, and, you know, Gene was, I guess, the Cowboys cowboy you could say. Um, but I, like, I've, I've said this before. I, I can list more people, more guys from that Argonaut team that I played with mm-hmm. 50 years ago than I can any roster that I played on, whether it's a Super Bowl, whether it's a Cotton Bowl. Yeah. But the Grey Cup to me is very, very, uh, it's very close. And, you know, I think back, I constantly think back on that game of the what-ifs. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I call myself a, a windshield guy, not a rear mirror guy. But I still look at that football game and I, I still laugh about a little bit about Dick Thornton after he intercepts the ball, and yeah. you know, Dickie would say, "And God bless him, he's moved on in life and to another. You know, he's not with us anymore." But you know, Dick said he he, he felt like he was going to have he had the keys to the car because the MVP got a car, <laughs> and he had those keys, and he's standing on the sidelines, and he's I hand the ball off to Leon. Leon slips and fumbles. I turn around, I look, and you know, Calgary's on top of it. Nick said those keys just sort of slipped out of my hands and hit the ground. And you can just picture this in slow motion, the disappointment. Yeah. Uh, he said, I just should have gotten the end zone. I mean, there's, there were so many shoulda, woulda, couldas in, in that game. And, yeah. you know, Peter was right. I mean, from the first snap to the last snap, it was a track meet for me. Um, they were big. Holy mackerel. I mean, that was one big, fast football team. And here we were, just the, you know, the the quick little lightning football team that got neutralized a little bit by the uh, by the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Nance, I'd like to uh, turn it over to you. I saw that the weather conditions were not good that day. Uh, have you ever played in any worse, Joe? P? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I did not so much. We had a bad game in Ottawa once in the mud in a playoff game against Russ Jackson, which we got hammered in that. That was... That was brutal. Um, the, the worst game I ever played in, though, was a senior, a Canadian senior championship game in 1964. We played in uh, in Winnipeg, and it was like minus 30 degrees or something like that. That was the worst. That was the worst ever. Joe, I oh, remember a game brutal. you played in Southern Cal. I played two of them. I played one in Southern Cal in my, se- my, my senior year, the last regular season game my senior year at Notre Dame. In 1970, it was a the whole second half was just a just a torrential downpour, and then we I played one in Tampa Bay where it seemed like it would be sunny and then you know rain and they have pictures of that game they show the water cascading down the stairs it looks like a waterfall yeah. um, and but that field dried the, the Coliseum in uh, Southern Cal was just a uh, muck mire interesting how life takes cycles and goes around. Um, Joe Gibbs happened to be the offensive line coach of the University of Southern California football team in 1970 when we played him out there on the coast. I remember throwing the ball around, around in all that mud. I, I, I threw for over 500 yards in that game. and The entire second half was played in just a deluge uh, as far as the rain goes. I mean, it just kept coming down. It wouldn't stop. It was unrelenting. I only weighed about 160 pounds. I weighed myself. I'll never forget coming off the field. I got on a scale. And, and the scale said 180. I had 20 pounds of water and wet. Uh, my uniform was just, of course, we didn't have the kind of uniforms these guys have today, right, Peter? I mean, ours were, ours yeah. were cloth. Um, they'd, sew, they'd sew up the holes in them for us. I had like three jerseys. Yeah. You just had to make them last a season. I mean, you, were, you, you know, it was funny. You, it had patches all over them uh, by the time we were finished. Interestingly enough, I checked the weather report for Vancouver today before I went on air. Guess what? There's a <laughs> rainfall warning in effect. Uh, <laughs> they have a dome now, though. <laughs> no, yeah, I know they have Fair. a dome now, but back in those days. And uh, I, I'm up deep, and I don't, you know, I mean, football games get played out on the field. You guys, had, you sort of kicked uh, Calgary's ass earlier on in the year. In my mind, you guys had, had the better team. You had more skill. You are faster, and there's no question the conditions affected the outcome of that game, but you know, you they can't played in it too, though. They played in it too. Uh, it, it was a struggle for both teams, but can I just go back to something that Joe mentioned about breaking his leg in Washington and having the problem here in Toronto as well in 72. And I, I mentioned the disappointment of, of not grabbing the, the championship and you got a chance. And then what a horror show 72 was, you know, Joe, you broke your leg and we had all kinds of other injuries and we didn't make the playoffs. We went from Grey Cup contenders to missing the playoffs in one year, and, and that was my last year. But I was going through my scrapbooks the other day, all right, and there's a picture when you had your injury in Toronto. You remember Mel Mert Prophet, our trainer? All right? Yeah. What a wonderful man he was. And there was Mert. He's on one side. You got your arm around his shoulder. I'm on the other side. You got your arm around my shoulder. And there's Mert, and there's seven, 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 uh, as we're helping you off the field. And that's probably not a very fond memory for you, but I was, wow. I really, uh, I took a long time looking at that picture. Yeah, you know, it's it's there's, I mean, we could turn this into a three-hour interview uh, because <laughs> no question. just be, just because of the wonderful, you know, the the people. Like I said. I think everything in life is about the people that you work with, the people that you live with, uh, the people who are your friends. 
And for us, it was it was really funny. I mean, we were a close football team, mm-hmm. but we weren't necessarily close when it came to socializing. Everybody, everybody was different. It was very eclectic in its nature. That, you know, guys from different places, guys lived in different places. The guys, you got to remember, back then we all worked. We didn't yeah. practice till five o'clock at night because we all had to have jobs during the day. Yeah, you know, I worked at uh, City Pontiac Buick Cadillac um, yeah. for John Carmichael. I yeah. was, you know, I, I started the leasing division in that in that uh, in that dealership, and I really didn't. I, I, I was part of it. Let me put, let me be honest, okay? Being truthful, <laughs> you know, I sat at an office. Uh, I'd take my son Joey in there. We'd play a little while, and I'd, I'd try and learn how to get leasing, which I did. I, I eventually learned how to do all that stuff, but. Uh, they were, you know, the Carmichaels were so nice to me and so kind to me, and, mm-hmm. um, and and so just we all had different jobs, and then and then when we all got together to practice, it was like almost like a reunion. Hey, what were you up to? What were you doing? What'd you do last night? Where'd you go? Um, and it was again socially in, in North America, life was changing completely, and yeah. so we were, you know, we were sort of the tip of the spear of a society that changed in so many different ways, and we were the. We were that little group that existed within it. And well, you're, you're right, Joe, about you talking about you having the job. Like, like I work, <clears throat> I taught school every for all eight years. I taught school full time at a full time teaching job. You know, we went to training camp in in uh, in the summertime. I was able to work. You know, they even encouraged the players, you know, to get jobs oh, yeah. to stay here in the off season, even to work. You know, during the season, uh, we practiced at five o'clock to uh, to accommodate that, and you know, so that was sort of the culture. They wanted you to sort of settle in. Get involved in the community and and, and be part of uh, the fabric of the city. That that's that's all changed now because it's a full time job now to be a football player, right? I mean, twelve months of the year, right? You have to be a football player. Yeah, well, you know, a, I, mean, I watched a game last night too, and uh, I saw Jim Stillwagon was in on every almost every tackle of that game. What kind of a player was he? Oh, unbelievable! Well, Peter, you know, he was on your side. I just, I mean. If you look, I mean, you've got, you've got, out, he's an Outland Trophy winner. I mean, he was a great football player at Ohio State. I mean, we had, we had all-stars everywhere. I, I get the biggest kick out of telling people I played with a Ph.D. in biochemistry, a Ph.D. in mathematics. Now, I played with guys that can't spell Ph.D., okay? But <laughs> up in Toronto, I had the opportunity to play with guys who were exceptional, Mike Eben and Paul Desjardins. I mean, yeah. you know, Paul was my center and Mike was the wide receiver. But Jimmy was, you know, he and Corrigal were a pair. Oh my God! Oh. Well, we had, we had Tim about, Anderson. He was an All-American, right? On the field, Dave Ramey. Dave Ramey was on that team. Marv Luster oh, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, oh, we yeah. were uh, we were loaded. We were loaded. Danny Nicolak, Ellison Kelly. Hey, the list. Yep. Bill Simons. The list goes on. The list goes on. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, you were, you guys, yeah, of course, Mel, you know, I mean, not only not only were we characters in regard to the way we acted, I think the way we carried ourselves, you know, we were sort of the way the city of Toronto was. It was evolving. It was young. It was exciting. It was fun. I think that's who we were. And, and then, of course, you know, you had if you looked at, you know, you take you got Gene Mack on one side, you got Mel Profit on the other with the long, flowing, golden looks. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you know, you've got intellects. You've got all. The, I mean, I just love the way we were described: louts, loners, partiers, and intellects. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That that's who we were. 
I, I saw a headline, Joe, that uh, they described you guys as, as uh, having large hair and large personalities. And uh, there was an incredible <laughs> amount of personality. And I think this is why this team... This, this I mean, it was. You're right. It was. It was an era where society was evolving, and it was the '60s, the early '70s, and everybody had long hair and, uh, you know, and chops and bell bottoms and striped pants and yeah. you know, Gene and you guys had Gene Mack with the dress and wear Dave Ramey who you know how to put put himself together and yeah. you know, just an incredible cast of characters, and that's why this team has remained in so many hearts of so many Canadian uh, Toronto sports fans, football fans. It just, you can't forget, you know, you just can't. And I, I, I'll, 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 I'll make a confession. I wasn't in the mid-60s. I wasn't, an, I wasn't a Toronto Argo fan. I'm, Pete, you and I have had this discussion lots of times. I was an Ottawa Rough Rider fan. I was oh. a Russ Jackson guy. I was a Ronnie Stewart guy. My, my two heroes, I was a flanker, played flanker in, in high school football. Mm. My hero was with Tucker. And yeah. another guy that yeah. you might remember, Joe, a guy, uh, 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 a receiver by the name of Tommy Greatwood. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- those are two guys that looked up, but you guys. Was, Tommy was my res- Tommy was my wife. He was he was your guy, um, and that, those were, those were my two football heroes at the time. But then the the seventy one Argos, the just the overwhelming personalities on that team just captivated me. I I, well, I know gotta, how I couldn't you know, root one for you person- guys. Well, the one person we haven't talked about was sort of the, the ringmaster. You know, I call Leo. myself the ringmaster of the circus. Was Leo? Leo? Yeah, I was Leo's, just about to get Leo's to that. Leo was the one that brought us all together. Yeah, you know, Lee was Leo was the one that. You know, I wound up, you know, playing for, and, and you know, he and I had our issues because he wanted to rotate quarterbacks my my rookie year there. You know, Greg would play a series, I would play a series. Greg would say, what the heck is this? No, the, the one thing that, that was different back then than now was the fact that this we played in 71. That was, in that era, was before free agency, right? We didn't have the movement, Joe, about trying to you go from one right. team to another within the league, right? Uh, if you played yep. out your option, you took a pay cut. If you played out your option, nobody in the other in the league would sign you. So, what that allowed was for to develop a core of players that played together for a long period of time, right? When you take a look at the, you know, that the, the '71 team was a process of building that team from the day that Leo got there and added pieces every year, added some different pieces. So we had a nucleus of veteran guys that the people knew who they were, right? There was fan identity with the players, you know, and that's one of the issues I think that the CFL has got right now is player identity because there's so much movement of players that they're they're not together long enough to be like we were. Well, that you know, the other thing too is it's fan loyalty too, Peter. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, when I when I played in Washington, it yeah. was it was before free agency in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, our offensive line called the Hogs. They played together. Most of the guys played together for almost ten years. Exactly. You know, you exactly. Just, you, you really you and you really you be, you really became entrenched in the community. I mean, that it, it was one thing to play together and and build a core as a team, but you also became a part of the community. You became mm-hmm. a part of, mm-hmm. of Toronto. You became I became a part of Washington, um, and you know it's now people. It's like they have favorite players as opposed to favorite teams. Yeah, uh, or in in sync they run together. But back then, you know, it was all about uh, you played your rear end off. You didn't you didn't take guys make so much money today if they get a little bit of a tweak. Yeah. Well, first yeah. of all, ownership wants to sit them down because they're protecting their investment, and yeah. they don't have to play because they get paid. Not that there are guys that don't love the game. Trust me, I know 
a lot of players out there love the game, but there are guys that, you know, looking for a reason to sit down and collect a paycheck. Yeah. Back well, you know, you, you talk about being part of the community. Joe, do you remember, remember our barnstorming basketball team, right, that we had in the off season? We used to go around and play against the high school kids and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and I should mention this, too, that you and Greg – uh, sponsored a team when we founded the Mississauga Minor Football Team in 1971. You guys yep. sponsored a team. Well, it was called the Flying Sevens, wasn't it, or something like that? But it uh, was the Flying Se- It was the exactly. Flying so anyway, but <laughs> I've got to tell you a quick story. Ed Harrington, the great Ed Harrington, right? Joe, you remember we're playing basketball in the off season at Port Credit Secondary School, where I worked. Ed Harrington took the ball out of bounds behind our basket, and he, we were trying a fast break, and he threw the ball the full length of the field full floor and put it in the hoop. Do you remember that? Yes, I he did. He put it all. He threw it all the way down, and it went into the basket. Right, and of course the fans went nuts, and then the referee waved it off as no basket. Right, because you can't score from out of bounds. No, I, I, you know, I've never seen that before. It became an inspiration for me to try and do it every time. You know, I'm the guy that's supposed to have the arm, right? So it, it became something I'd try all the time. Never could do it. Never could do it. But I don't. You know, that's that's really the you know the things that we did. Uh, I mean, you just and, and I stayed in touch with so many guys, and now you know from the past. And, you know, I saw Tony not too long ago. About the time when we had the reunion, I saw Tony Morrow up there. You know. Yeah, uh, I had a chance to visit with him, and you know, I, I really think I really think of our football team and the components that went into it, and how you build a winning scenario, how you build a winning organization. I think, I think, you know, I wonder sometimes did Leo have that kind of a vision, or did we all just sort of fall together? And he uh, recruited. Uh, and I think Joe, he recruited Pete characters Joe, as well. Uh, as sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt. Uh, we've only got a couple of uh, only got a couple of minutes, unfortunately. And and Joe, you are quite right. We could we could do this for three hours. There's no question about that. But there's one thing I do I, before we move on. You guys managed to get together ten years ago in TSN, and I highly encourage the listeners. It's it's on it's on YouTube. It's TSN did the great story of the 19, the called Mavericks, the 1971 Argos. You all got together at Pete's house. Pete, you not the whole team, but a good group of guys. And I watched it last night, and I could see the glisten. I mean, you guys, you were showing the game, and you were transfixed watching that game. And and when Dick Thornton intercepted that pass, it's like I, I the camera man who or a woman did a fantastic job of focusing the camera on you guys and the camera was on your eyes and you're watching dick thornton run that thing back mm-hmm. that was 40 years ago at the time it was almost like you guys were looking and were hoping for a different result really quickly yeah. peter and then joe <laughs> i watched it last night the score was the same <laughs> but you guys what came through in hey, that Dickie special get, walter dickie still didn't get in yeah, he still didn't get it, but oh, you guys were and looking Leon, at it, hoping and, that he would. But what I wanted, the, to, the point I wanted to get across, really, really quickly, first Peter, then Joe. We only have a minute and a half. Uh, you guys, you guys were like when you got together. It was almost like it was a reunion of brothers. You really enjoyed each other's company. You were thrilled to be with each other. Forty yeah. years later, which was ten years ago, Peter. I only have twenty seconds for you and twenty seconds for Joe, and then unfortunately we have to go. Yeah, you know what? You can think about all you want. You know, we didn't win the game, but you know what? Life's been good. Life's been good. That's all you can think about. Joe, it. I mean, the 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 memories will stay with me forever. Uh, it was the first. It was my first professional experience, and you know, the the people of Toronto, the 
they just embraced us. I mean, it was it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, I look back on it every time I watch the CFL, every time I think of people like Peter and all the guys that I had a chance to be uh, be teammates with. Joe, Peter, Joe, I checked the lineup last night. Joe, you were the first guy, number seven. Peter was the last guy, number 77. I think 777 in a casino is lucky. Naz and I have been the luckiest guys in the world getting to chat with you two guys. Unfortunately, we have to go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for the great memories. You guys will always be Take care, Joe. Take care, Joe. Thank you, Peter. Take care. Thanks for the stroll down memory lane. Take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.